This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, it's being called the biggest threat to Medicare in a generation. Many in the medical community say if Dr. Brian Day, the owner of a surgical clinic in British Columbia, wins, cash will replace need as the key to who gets medical care. The doctor says not so. He's arguing that the Canada Health Act is unconstitutional because it restricts patients' access to timely medical care. We're looking for the courts to uh, rule that, um, that you cannot do what governments are doing right now, which is offer health care and restrict access force patients onto wait lists, and then deny them a way out of those wait lists. Well, what about you? Have you had to wait for a medically necessary procedure? Did your condition get worse while you were waiting? And do you think if people could get private care that they either paid for or would get through private insurance, do you think that would be a good thing? Would you get your whatever it was, your hip surgery or your scan faster if other people paid for theirs? Or would that uh, subvert the whole system? Uh, let me know what your own experience has been. The numbers 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. Uh, we want to know how long you've had to wait for some procedures. And right now on the line from British Columbia, I have Dr. Michael Klein. He's a family physician, pediatrician, professor and researcher in Vancouver. He's also so on the board of Canadian Doctors for Medicare. Welcome, Dr. Klein. Good morning. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks. It's the afternoon here, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this court case is unfolding in the B.C. Supreme Court. Why should people here in Ontario and in the rest of Canada be worried about this? Well, it is much more than a B.C. issue. Uh, it is probably very likely that it will wind up in the Supreme Court. And we'll be discussing this for a long time. But it's about the protection of the Canadian Medicare system. Dr. Day, as as you see, believes that by offering private care, he will act as a kind of escape valve on the system. That is not true. Uh, What actually happens is that if, if we had an infinite number of orthopedic surgeons and other resources in the healthcare system, including nurses, I, I suppose that it might be true. But we don't. We have a limited supply of this very scarce resource. And what happens uh, is that when you, uh, when you uh, remove a patient from the public system into the private system, you're also removing a doctor. And that doctor... Uh, will have, uh, have uh, uh, less time in the public health care system. And that's been shown over and over again in New Zealand and in Australia. 
and uh, even in Manitoba where it was tried and abandoned, that it actually increases the wait list. And what happens is that the core principle of equity and a system based on need, not ability to pay, is lost, and our healthcare system uh, becomes uh, very problematic. Now, we could have a long discussion, and I'll be happy to answer your questions about it, but there are many ways to improve the necessary changes that we need to make in the Canadian healthcare system. There's no doubt that we have to improve it, but uh, Dr. Day's solution is worse than the disease. It is not about patient care and patient needs. It's about profit and the uh, fact that he wants to be able to charge whatever he wants to charge to both the public health care system and, and the patient privately. This is double dipping, and it's certainly unfair. Um, he, uh, he says that he just that there was a court case in Quebec in 2005. And in Quebec, uh, if there are inordinate weights, and I'm not sure how they uh, define that, uh, you can go through private insurance now after this case. It's just it was done in, in Quebec law as opposed to Canadian law. So Dr. Day says he just wants to give Canadians the same rights that Quebecers. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, the court decision was by no means uh, an easy one. It was a 4-3 decision, and there were justices who uh, would have been on the other side that were not participating. So uh, everybody is struggling with this issue. The Quebec issue uh, has to do with the Quebec Charter. Now, uh, for, for, for it to be available uh, for Canadians across the country, we would have to uh, be uh, decided at the, uh, at the Supreme Court for the entire country. So that's why people need to, to worry about it. Yes, uh, on the inordinate waiting lines, waiting lists for people are definitely unacceptable. And we, we know that while 85% roughly of Canadians uh, get what they want in a timely fashion, this has been carefully studied by CAIHI, which is the Canadian Institute for Health Research. And they, uh, they have shown that. But there are uh, people who wait too long on a waiting list. We all know that to be the case. So the question is really, how do you, how do you fix that? And there are innovative solutions to fix that. Here in British Columbia, we uh, did this in, in Richmond, where by queue theory and uh, you know, going through a single portal of entry, uh, you can shorten the waiting list uh, by 75% very, very rapidly. And yeah, I, I'm that, just going to explain that because uh, I, I don't think uh, people will understand what that means. And I, I saw that myself on a committee that I was, was on at uh, Princess Margaret Cancer Center here. And uh, what happened was, and this was interesting, that, that the surgeons and other people, other uh, professionals, they each had their own waiting list. And by merging those lists and you and then setting up a clinic where the patient just sees, you know, whichever doctor has an opening, uh, that really removed a lot of pressure from the waiting lists. Are you talking about a similar thing, Dr. Klein? Yes, but you also have to allow people who want a particular physician to opt out of that, uh, you know, because not all, not all the physicians, not all surgeons are the same, but... Uh, nevertheless, that, that is definitely a way of shortening the list because an individual surgeon in an individual hospital has no idea what the big picture is. 
And uh, when you organize it so that uh, it is a single portal of entry, you can quickly move people around as they need to be moved. But there's another element to that as well, that a number of people on the waiting list for a particular procedure don't actually need it very much, and others need a great deal. And so decisions have to be made about who really needs it. And you advocate for those patients that you move them up so that the people who have the greatest need get it quickly. Other people who can wait, wait. And, uh, you know, that's fair and it's equitable and uh, it's a reasonable way of doing it and it, uh, it, uh, it works. Okay, Dr. Klein, uh, let's take a call. We've got Gordon in Sarnia. Hi, Gordon. Oh, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good. You've got a poor cell connection, so if I... I'm unable to hear you. I apologize. Okay. Well, you support the court challenge, right? I support it 110%. I've worked in both the Canadian and the American healthcare system. And, you know, interestingly enough, people in Canada tend to villainize and make out like the American system is substandard, when in fact, quality of care in the U.S. is significantly better than it is in Canada, because unfortunately, the way our system's set up, you go to the lowest common denominator. And I think the proposal is excellent because it would take that cohort of people that can afford the service and move them into the private sector, which in fact would reduce the workload and reduce the waiting list in the Medicare system. And it would be a win-win for everybody. And remember, those people that go and patronize the pay-for-service will still pay their taxes and continue to support the Medicare system. I, I have to correct you on one thing, Gordon. Uh, I, I look at a number of international measures of uh, health care systems, and I hate to say this, but the U.S. comes out on the bottom on every one of those, and we're not much off the bottom. Uh, we're next to last on some of them, but uh, for all the money they spend in the U.S., they do not get better outcomes in, in general. But, uh, you know, there are countries that have mixed systems that work fine. Yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking in terms of waiting times. Like if you need a knee or a hip replacement, I, I live in Sarnia. You can cross the border and go to Detroit and get that done this week if you're willing to pay for it. Yeah, how much does it cost? Uh, it can run anywhere, you know, depending on what you're having done. You might hand out $40,000. But if you can afford it, you can pay it. Why not? Okay, Dr. Klein, do you want to answer Gordon? Thanks, Gordon, well, for your call. I've worked in okay. the United States before uh, Medicare, of course, and I've worked here before Medicare. I've worked here after Medicare. I've also worked in the United Kingdom where there is a system with waiting lists and where you have a mixed system. I've seen the struggles that uh, individual surgeons in the, uh, in the U.K., go through when they have to balance their responsibilities in the public system and the private system. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't work very well. Mixed systems do not work very well. Those countries with mixed systems, like Dr. Day is proposing, like New Zealand and Australia, have longer waiting lists for the public, not shorter. Uh, it is a, it's a myth that, that, uh, that you can shorten because, uh, as I think I said earlier, we have a finite uh, resource of, uh, of surgeons, and every time you move a patient onto the, uh, basically let them jump the queue, you're also letting the surgeon jump the queue. 
The surgeon is managing the waiting list, and he can say to patients, listen, you know, it may take you nine months for your hip uh, in the public system, but I can do it in two weeks in the private system. It only costs you a huge amount of dollars plus a facility fee. And the patient, of course, is in pain. And when a patient is in pain, it's vulnerable. And we think of the patient, you know, as somebody who can afford private care. Many of them feel coerced into private care because they, uh, they are told by their surgeon, the very same surgeon who works in both systems, that he must have surgery, must have it now, and he shouldn't wait the nine months. And uh, what we need to do is shorten the waiting list in the public system. If we put the resources into the public system to increase the operating time for the surgeons and to provide salaries for the nurses that are required, the need for the kind of thing that Dr. Day is proposing would, would diminish. There's a critical there's... issue which has to be repeatedly mentioned is that at the present time, under NAFTA, under the free trade agreements, our healthcare system is exempt. As soon as you open up the private system, we have large numbers of American multinational insurance companies that are salivating at the opportunity of getting into the Canadian market. They will get in. That Dr. Day has spent a lot of time talking to them about this. There is, in fact, he's actually quoted in, in uh, a medical website as having said that there's $40 billion of money to be made by American insurance companies who come into Canada. And uh, this is what his approach will lead to ultimately. I, I had a decision to make, having practiced in the United States where I developed health centers three of them, where I ran them and I practiced in them, and I tried to provide care for people who were covered by, I did this in Rochester, New York, by Kodak and Bausch and Lohm, and I did fine with those people. I also had a reasonable contract with the, with the indigent population in the county, and I did fine with them too. I tried to serve people in the middle, people who were sometimes employed, or we called them marginally poor. It can't be done. I came back to Canada to work in an equitable and fair uh, system, and I wouldn't work anywhere else. Okay. Uh, we have time for uh, one call. Let's go to Maria in Etobicoke. Hi, Maria. Oh, hi. Good afternoon. Uh, I would, I, I'm calling in response to what the, the first caller said, and I do not know what part of the state he was working in, but I've worked in three different states over a period of almost seven years, and it, I, I came away with a greater appreciation for what we have in Canada. And um, the, what I found was in the States, the money mattered, how much money they're going to get at the end of the, the illness was more important than the, what the client was going to get out of it. And the shocking thing, too, was that, sure, you'll have big saying, well, you don't have to go in a waiting list for this and that, the other. They don't take into consideration that in the States, every hospital has to have everything in-house, whether they use it 100% of the time or not. And a lot of the time, whether you need it or not, they are going to use it to just to get some income out of that equipment instead of having it sit there. That's um, a very good system. point, Maria. Very good point. I run, a, I, I run up... Uh, uh, at that a lot. Um, I'm sorry, we are basically out of time. I'm sure we will revisit this subject. Maria Natobico, thanks so much for your input. 
Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. And uh, Dr. Klein in BC, thank you so much for yours. Uh, And we're going to be following this case closely because, uh, as we said, it could have a big impact on all of us in Canada. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.